remember about mountains what they are made of is not what made them. John McPhee. Welcome. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Warfare Advancement and Revisionism, or the War Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to these episodes so far and will continue to do so. Uh, my name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I am your host. So, this week, uh, we're going to continue our study of the Horn of Africa, circa 10,000 BCE. And before we get to that, though, I did have a little bit of feedback um, from the last episode. Someone had asked, um, after I mentioned that the uh, Rift Valley is kind of a location where the African plate is splitting into two different plates, um, someone asked what the name, if we knew what those plates are currently, or if they're going to be called something else. Um, and yes, there is a theoretical name, I guess, that they're already referred to, at least in English. I'm sure other countries may refer to them as something else. But uh, I've seen them referred to these two theoretical plates, is the Somalian plate and the Nigerian plate. Uh, the Somalian plate is going to cover basically the entirety of the... Um, of what is the Horn of Africa now, and you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of overlap um, in the, you know, too slightly like the Sudan and that kind of area, and the rest of Africa is going to be part of the Nigerian plate. I think that's the current naming convention that I've seen used. Uh, now, that said, uh, that's the main tr- question I had in terms of feedback. In fact, it's the only question I had for this past episode. Uh, I think it was fairly straightforward, so there's not a whole lot to really dive into. Um, I did want to mention I had meant to have a um, a bonus episode up discussing the movie Alpha. Uh, I'm still planning on doing that. Uh, I'm going to try to have it out um, either tomorrow afternoon or maybe Tuesday morning. I, I'm not sure yet. Um, but last week, uh, despite it being a... A shorter week uh, ended up being extremely busy. I had a lot more stuff that I had to do at my day job, uh, so unfortunately I was unable to get to it. I have watched the movie. Um, it is free, if you're not aware, um, if you have Amazon Prime. Um, it is free with ads, or you can, of course, rent or buy it to get rid of those ads. Um, but for those of us that grew up in the age of, you know, standard cable or satellite, you know, ads are no big deal. It's just commercial breaks essentially. Ah, so uh, I guess that's kind of the house cleaning stuff um, and uh, yeah let's go ahead and get started with the main part of this episode and that's going to cover the Horn of Africa uh, circa 10,000 BCE um, or at least the parts of the Horn of Africa we didn't cover the last time and I know we talked about the Omotic people situated around the Omo River um, now, this week we're going to be kind of um, discussing a branch, another branch of the Afro-Asiatic uh, linguistic family. And these are going to be uh, the Cushitic branch of that family. Um, now, Cushitic is um, all in the Horn of Africa region with like one or two little exclaves um, down towards, I believe... Uh, even past Kenya. There's like a couple of very small groups uh, there and then of course um, the rest of uh, uh, 
Somalia is entirely populated mostly by either Cushitic speakers or Arabic speakers today. Um, and then there is also Kenya, uh, Eturia, um, and Ethiopia, as well as parts of uh, Sudan and I think the very southern part of Egypt towards the coast of the Red Sea uh, is where currently uh, Cushitic speakers live. Of course, at 10,000 BC, that is not the case. Of course, Arabic, there is no Arabic spoken there at that point in time. Um, Arabic's probably not going to be like its own language for a couple of thousand years. Um, and Cushitic, again, um, the dates where the Proto-Afro-Asiatic is stopped being spoken, um, you know, are the big original family. The dates vary wildly, but like the latest that it would have, I guess, started to diverge would be at this point. But because of the amount of divisions, I think it was probably a couple thousand years before this. So there are definitely, in my opinion, you know, definitely Cushitic, Semitic, and uh, Omotic speakers. Now, where they're at, that's the question. Uh, and how much they've diverged, you know, that's, that's another question. So at this point, I think there is probably just the Cushitic language and its speakers. Eventually, this is going to break into about... Well, six or seven main groups, uh, give or take, uh, depending on what you consider a language. Um, these are going to be mostly on the, um, I guess you'd call it the east of Lake Turkana, uh, and then north of, um, I guess, the, o uh, the Omo River. Uh, we talked about how the Omanic people were mostly to the south of that. Cushitic, uh, that's going to be a barrier to... Uh, the Cushitic speakers um, for the most part uh, at least when it comes to going directly south to Turkana they're going to be towards the east and north of Lake Turkana whereas directly to the north it's mostly going to be Omotic speakers but again that's, uh, that's mostly future stuff <clears throat> at this point in time I would say again there's probably just the original Cushitic speakers um possibly the Omotic and maybe the beginnings of the division of uh, the Cushitic languages. Um, now most of these people are going to be situated probably along the coast, um, what around what is today Eturia and Djibouti and uh, the I guess the western bit of current day Somalia um, around the Gulf of Aden. And that's again, probably because we've seen water levels rise and this kind of separates Africa from the Arabian Peninsula. And I think again, this is a big part of the reason that causes language and cultures to diverge uh, at this point in time. Uh, but I think initially, you know, they were probably around the coast um, where there is still fresh water kind of entering out into those bodies of water. Um, probably less in what is like now Somalia except for along that, that coast around the Gulf of Aden just because um, the water there is extremely limited. What I imagine happened is when they begin moving, they move through the valley towards Lake Turkana. They probably get up into the Ethiopian highlands and plateaus in that area, and then they move down from there, just following some, there, there are some rivers, uh, there are some limited bodies of water, uh, and they would, you know, kind of 
follow those back out to the sea. Uh, probably end up somewhere around what is now like Mogadishu or um, Badoa, and then possibly even going as far as what is today Malindi in Kenya, which is again on the coast. Uh, and there's a river that kind of connects um, a river system that kind of a very very narrow river system that kind of connects um, the I guess the more desert or dry not desert but dry areas of Kenya and Somalia um, and this region is going to be very important uh, coming up here the next thousand years or so because there is a lot of trade of obsidian coming from this region in Africa to the rest of um, well at least to the north of the continent heading towards Egypt and then again back into the Arabian Peninsula and then from there the Middle East um, now, you may wonder why obsidian. Well, uh, obsidian, while it is easy to chip and, um, you know, it can be easily broken, uh, is also able to be made to extremely sharp points. And, of course, it's, it's shiny. It's, uh, it's a very pretty stone, especially if you can polish it. Um, so, again, trade in um, obsidian is going to be important in this area for a, quite a while. And also, this is kind of an area for timber um, and other woods going towards, again, um, Arabia and then uh, following up from the Nile and its sources in this region, uh, specifically the Blue Nile. Um, it will eventually, you know, kind of go up that river. Egypt will have other sources of timber, but it's not always going to be um, possible um, for, you know, them to get regular quantities of wood and some of what they get here is going to come from this region same for Africa and woods of course important for heat cooking you know warmth that kind of thing so this region is very important for trade and it will continue to be pretty much from this point forward um, we talked about how in one of our earlier episodes that one of the keys for homo sapien uh, survival an adaptation as opposed to something like Homo erectus is that they are much more willing to travel long distances and um, specifically pick out material uh, that is suited for the tools they're making um, and even if you don't make the entire trek yourself um, you can at least make a trek until you can meet someone who has access to these things uh, and this is going to become kind of the basis for long-range trade uh, at least in the this region, if not others. Um, but yeah, again, so Cushitic people, this is where they live. They're, this is virtually entirely occupied by uh, Cushitic speakers, or at least they're the main population. Um, now, there, of course, there are going to be people that speak Arabic, specifically in uh, parts of Ituria, and in the Sudan, which is going to be kind of the north uh, west of this region, and of course along the Somali coast. Um, uh, so they, Kushitic speakers are not the only people living here, but they're the majority, and they're going to be kind of the ones that are dealt with by um, Arabs and other outsiders uh, eventually, uh, of course, very far into the future, uh, 20th century. They're going to deal with uh, the Italians and uh, British and French in this area as well. Now, unlike the 
Omotic speakers and peoples, um, I was able to find a little bit about um, the native religion in the among Cushitic speakers, um, or at least kind of a very uh, vague, or at least a very broad um, description of kind of a, the proto-Cushitic religion. Um, and this is uh, this is kind of shared, or at least parts of it are shared between two different uh, Cushitic uh, subfamilies, um, and uh, at least in terms of names um, for God. Um, of course, again, this is a very small group. I think most of um, most of these people today that still practice this is like one percent or less than one percent of the the people that actually live in either Ethiopia or Somalia. Uh, but essentially, the, um, there is a supreme creator god uh, known as Wak, or Waka, and he is, of course, a sky god. Um, he is the supreme being. Um, there are not, as far as we know, that there's not anything, um, there are no other gods that he deals with. He created everything, and that includes humans, um, humans were created specifically to worship and venerate him. That is not to say that there are not other supernatural beings. There are a group of spirits specifically known as the Aya Anli. And they are kind of spirits of good fortune and they act as mediators between God and humans. They bring blessings of good luck and plenty. Um, and these can be a number of different things. They can be aspects of nature, but they also are in some places related to specific families or clans um, or specific locations. Um, you might think of them kind of similar to angels in more Judeo-Christian religions. Then you have her, uh, and this is kind of a messenger of death or a death spirit. Um, Typically, he's kind of said to be a, a just a large, uh, like predatory bird. Um, there are some who have made a connection between this spirit and the ancient Egyptian god Horus, because there is a slight. I mean, they're Hor and Hur. You know, you can kind of make that connection. Um, at least that's something that modern people have pointed out, and of course, I'm sure the connection was made. Um, and they were probably considered very similar when the Egyptians were interacting uh, with the peoples of this area, or at least uh, people that may have practiced this religion. That is something that, of course, um, a lot of different peoples do. They kind of equate uh, other people's gods with theirs, at least in polytheistic, polytheistic religions. Uh, and this is not something that just, you know, they did in Africa. They do this all over the world. Um, another uh, figure um, who is kind of part of this uh, religious is um, Nadar, and he's uh, he's a spirit of uh, justice or um, of right, I guess you could say, and he is kind of a, con a champion or a um, someone who rights wrongs. Uh, in fact, I think he has survived more in like as a is kind of like a um, folk tale, not necessarily a religious figure, but kind of more of like a, um, a more um, 
ethnic like hero. Uh, I think his name is still used in some sayings. And in fact, um, even Wak, uh, the god, his name shows up in a lot of place names um, in Somalia specifically. But there are parts I believe he shows up in Eth Ethiopia and Enturia as well. Um, and of course there are other um, figures that have uh, you know, part, you know, kind of take part in these um, these religious stories. They haven't lasted quite as long, but uh, it's not just God and humans. There are again more supernatural elements, um, but we've probably lost a lot of these stories. Unfortunately, um, they are not quite as well maintained as the pagan or traditional beliefs of. Um, you know, the Near East and Europe, unfortunately. And again, the people who still practice any of this, uh, they're a very small portion. Most people in these regions uh, practice either some form of Sunni Islam or um, Coptic or uh, Eastern Orthodox Christianity. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the, kind of a rough overlap of um, at least one of the proto Cushitic uh, religions um, and if this is the case like if this is survived you know from that long ago and this isn't just them kind of molding that um, that god Waka as uh, kind of they interacted with Arabs or Christians in the area uh, this is probably the first example of a true um, monotheistic religion. Um, now, I don't think this is the case, um, or if it, you know, it may be that Wak was always considered the, the supreme deity, but I imagine that some of these spirits um, probably were considered more deities than they would be in later times. I think they probably lost some of their importance as time goes on. Um, but that, that's just a theory. Again, it could be that this is the original monotheistic religion, or at least the basis for the original monotheistic religion. Um, but, uh, you know, that's all guesswork. Um, and I apologize if you guys are hearing. some. It is almost 11 o'clock Eastern Time, and there are people just across, the, across a couple of parking lots just blaring music. And I hope you guys can't hear it. I'm going to try to edit that out. Um, but unfortunately, I may not be able to before I have to get this ready to download. So if it does come through, I am sorry. I apologize. Um, but yeah, so um, now there is one other group of people that I need to talk about in this region. Uh, and that are, uh, I guess, your proto-Nilo-Saharan speakers or maybe um, people we might know them also as Nilotic people. Um, and if, for, as the name might tell you, uh, these people take their names from the Nile and the Saharan Desert. Now, um, they are also in the Horn of Africa area. Not, again, not as much of a presence, but they're still probably close by and there's probably a lot of interaction. Um, I think what I'll do, because these people do not sound like you're stopping, uh, I think I'll call the episode here for now, and then when we come back, we'll um, we'll kind of finish up uh, the Horn of Africa, and then we'll begin going north to um, what is uh, 
the Sudan today, and then the Nile area. Uh, and that will include uh, all, you know, the kind of the proto uh, Nilo Saharan people. Um, and uh, they're, they're a very interesting group, and they're going to be very important um, when it comes to spreading um, pastoralism when that becomes developed to this region. But again, that's several episodes in the future. Uh, everyone is still hunting and gathering, though um, I think we're probably going to start seeing much more emphasis on gathering and learning how to kind of ensure that you have something to gather. Um, but uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself again, um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, please, if you have any feedback or questions, uh, please uh, send me any emails to waradrevpod at gmail.com. You can also reach me at our Twitter account, uh, which, you know, my DMs are open. So um, just let me know. Any feedback, constructive um, or positive, I'll take either or. And um, any questions, please let me know. I, um, you know, I am very pleased with the amount of people I've gotten. Um, but, I, you know, uh, there's only been one or two um, pieces of feedback from people that I do not know in person. I do have a couple of close people who have asked me questions. Uh, fairly regularly uh, and I do thank them for their support as well but yeah I hope everyone has a good evening and uh, yeah I'm going to try to have that bonus episode out as well but uh, yeah uh, thank you all for listening and I hope you have a good rest of your day goodbye